Welcome to the broadcast of Better Together, Democrats and Republicans who love America. Oh, this chair, episode 57. I need a new chair. Let's try again. All right. Hopefully I won't be having too many interruptions. We're going to keep on with a little bit of comedic joviality here as I read the news because I don't want to be so serious. I know some articles I have to speed read and it's probably super annoying, but I just want to get all the content out there. You never know when a story is going to be pulled after all. Right, CNN? So you might want to make sure I capture it all so you can replay as, as need be. Well, let's see. <coughs> let's start with the debrief of Nancy's visit, shall we? Because I'm probably not going to say too many nice things ever about Laura Ingraham, but um, she gave Nancy props, and I felt like that was fair. You know, I, I tend to appreciate Republicans who can see the good sides of us Dems, um, even if it's just one issue. You know, the whole point of this is better together. I can see many good sides of Republicans and also, um, you know, I, I see all the different microgroups in the Republican Party. And I include the independents as Republicans by default um, who just don't want the label. Right. So it's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. And, you know, there's the religious right. There's the business people for that are in it for the taxes only. There are the... Um, legislate business people the military people um supporters are those the main three right taxes religion the religious right and military for the most part i'm trying to think of as another group oh well you know the civil war people yeah the con- the Confederate legacy Republicans, I call them. They're their own separate group. They'll do insurrections all day long if they could. So it's a it's a diverse group of people, you know. No, no two are the same. And, you know, at least at this time in history, we're more honest about that in terms of, like, they're more honest about that because of January 6th, clearly, historically proving for all time that there's a lot of division within their party, too. Um which is helpful, I think. Of course, the Dems have always been divided. We live off division. I mean, you know, I don't know if Andrew Yang could have picked the worst time to try to revive the third-party failure model that has been tried and failed. You know, independent party, while it does have legitimacy by Ross Perot, is not going to be, you know, putting forth a president. Nor was the Green Party, nor will Andrew's party. All it ends up doing is making Democrats feel better and losing to Republicans that will be practical when it comes down to it and vote, basically. So I'm, you know, well, I'm going to be 47 this year, and I was a Green Party for a while, too, because it made me feel good. I could feel good about being in a party that aligned with my values and then realized, oh, that's essentially now just giving a vote over to a lot of 
what I don't like. So I can feel real cozy, real insulated. Very, you know, rotating in my own galaxy. And actually it's hurting moving the democratic agenda. I mean, you know, so maybe Andrew Yang will learn. He had some sort of falling out with the Dems. I forget exactly the circumstances. But, you know, disillusionment is normal for us Dems. We, we understand this. I just don't like that he went out and is, is actually putting feet to put, creating a party about it. Because we, we, that test and experiment has been tried and true. You know? I mean, if everything in the flavor of liberal and the flavor of, you know, Green Party and the flavor of whatever Andrew's party will be and all the flavors from Joe Biden to Bernie, you know, would be consolidated to a Dem vote, we would get a lot more done, especially if everybody voted. It's just the best way. The best way is for all of us to make peace with our differences. If you really can't stand it here and you just got to get out to a socialist country, I mean, I think you should be allowed to leave and and leave and, you know, have a new life in France or somewhere else. Um, for political asylum, I don't know what you would call it. Some new category that's not yet invented. Because to stay here and sour the pot of the rest of us Dems or to bitter, you know, yourself, your family, your circle, your group with extreme idealism that's not really going to ever happen, it just doesn't make sense for you or for us. It's not a help to the Dems to move the needle if you're constantly being a problem for that in your best of intentions, you know. So that's not a whole lot of Dems, but it's a, you know, chunk. I would say the best thing is adios muchachos. And let's let everybody who really wants to be here, be here. Dem, Republican, Independent, and everything, and everywhere. Just like let's have Americans here that really love it for what it is, not everything about it, but fundamentally really appreciate it, right? Everybody should live where they appreciate. And, you know, upwardly mobile slash, you know, westernized people often have that option that a lot of people don't. So then to willingly stay and be a curmudgeon, you know, it doesn't make sense. Anyway, so... I'm kind of going off a little bit on a tangent. I'm kind of recapping the parties. But truly, you know, Dems of all flavors, including Andrew Yang, need to understand that everything is governed by the rule of law. You heard me say it so many times. It is. It is a major two-party system. It's been tried to bro- break many times. Millennials are not going to, you know, they're not going to change that. Sorry. might be a little louder, but it's not going to change. Is a two-party system ride or die? Now, you can have different flavors of those two parties, but it comes down to the votes. Most things do. So diluting votes on the Dem side, I'm not for that. I don't grandize that, even if they have a beautiful, perfect rollout of a party. It, it, essentially, that's not, it doesn't, it's not relevant because it doesn't boil down to results in votes to actually move the needle. So, I, I don't know. Don't think it's helpful. I understand Andrew Yang's point of view. I lived it. I did jump ship and I was frustrated and joined 
Ralph Nader's, but party green party, but yeah, no, it wasn't ever going to get off the ground in, in any kind of, um, meaningful way. So I think him doing this at this time really is, you know, sabotaging. And I wish he would either see that or understand that. And while I sympathize with everyone who would want to join up and feel very, grand, you know, very, very in line with their values, you can do that. And it does it change? Does it move the needle? You're going to be tired of me saying that, but I like that phrase because it makes sense. The needle moves. It may not move very fast, but is it moving? Is it going in the right direction? Or is it just a feel-good party? I don't know. Um, let's, let's see what Laura Ingraham has to say. Ingraham? I don't really like her very much on Fox because she's pretty smarmy. She doesn't leave room for, you know... Uh, potential. She doesn't really understand Democrats at all. And so she kind of just spouts off ignorantly myself. That's my opinion about it. Kate McKinnon does a good impression of her on Saturday Night Live. But to this, at least she looked at the actions and she could have not spoken up about this and she did and I appreciate it. So Fox News. Laura Ingraham, news staff, it doesn't have an author. To her credit, Pelosi didn't back down when China essentially threatened to shoot her plane. Laura Ingraham discussed how House Speaker Nancy Pelosi proceeded with her trip to Taiwan despite threats from Chinese Communist Party and lacking support from the establishment on the Ingraham angle. Laura Ingraham, it's 10 a.m. in Taiwan, and to her credit, Nancy Pelosi didn't back down when China essentially threatened to shoot her plane out of the sky. Now she's been on the ground for 12 hours or so, landing here just after 10.30 Eastern today. We're going to bring you news about the specifics of her meeting any minute. This was... Okay, remember the trip details have been largely kept under wraps due to security concerns, but by going ahead with this trip, Nancy is defying the White House. Um, defying is a little aggressive. Um, Joe gave her a pass of probably not the best time. That's not exactly defiance. He didn't say you will not go. No, he didn't do that. So it's not defiance. It's just ignoring, ignoring and ignoring. Okay. She says, and ignoring the threats made by the Chinese. Yes, that's worth it. Please ignore the threats made by the Chinese communist party leadership. Now think that think about all those American companies like Nike and all the hedge funders like Larry Fink, the billions they make in China. It's a country that considers a brief visit by Nancy Pelosi with a longtime ally like Taiwan a humiliation and then uses it to pretext as active as military. Now, Speaker Pelosi had demonstrated that supporting the CCP is inconsistent with modern-day liberalism. Definitely. And when that happened, most in establishment, they didn't get angry with China. They got angry with Pelosi. Right. There are some Republicans in the business section of what I was describing that have already sold us out and are going to go live on some private island and could care less about America. And that is true on the Dem side, too. There are people, I mean, Tom Cotton has talked about that, that have infiltrated to levels of government, both sides of the aisle, that um, have no real interest in seeing America sustain. It's not the majority, but it's keys, key people. And I mean, you know, 
people that you can recognize pretty much anything China comes up, you see them take a supportive China stance. It's kind of the reveal, the tell. I think we should do a lot more of those because I think we need to see where people's loyalties stand by their own words and whether they support China, whether they support our country, America, which they're holding office in and supposed to represent. But some people can be bought. And I think we need to keep a nice little list of those people and keep a nice little surveillance on those people. And if found to be treasonous, they need to go. We need Americans in office that put, you know, America as their primary, I don't want to say America first, but their primary, you know, uh, uh, allegiance, their primary, you know, country that they are going to defend um, and not be compromised by China or the Communist Party in any way. So uh, that was nice of Laura. You know, I'm not going to be able to say many things like that because... She's often not nice. Um, We're going to go through it. Bay Area's Taiwanese American community reacts to Speaker Pelosi's visit to Taiwan. It was positive. It was outside of San Jose. Anticipation and angst, and they were very impressed that she was going to Taiwan. I'm just going to go to South Korea next. I'll read that in a minute. China ramps up trade sanctions on Taiwan in wake of Nancy's Pelosi's visit. Ban sand, fruit, and fish. No sand in your sandbox. No sand in your sandbox. No sand, no fruit, no fish. Just for her coming by on her theater tour uh, of the different Asian countries of which Taiwan was included. So, I mean, again, we can't allow autocrats like that to continue. So we can all get them some sand, fruit, and fish to their solution. Sure, Japan can help out with that too. Great sushi and all, right? Um, so then Pelosi brings up the gender potential. She's like, China made a big fuss about Taiwan visit, but didn't say anything when the men came. Let's read that one. By Aaron Parsley, by People. Yesterday, Nancy Pelosi says China made a big fuss about Taiwan, but didn't say anything when the men come. Um, she met with President Tsai Ing-wen Wednesday as part of her d- defiant visit to the island that China claims is part of its territory, which no one else recognizes, by the way. China's strong objection to the House Speaker's trip, which made her the highest-ranking official to visit Taiwan in a quarter century, came with warnings and ignited concerns, blah, blah, blah. Undeterred, Pelosi touched down in Taipei late Tuesday was welcomed by Taiwanese leaders. Today, the world faces a choice between democracy and autocracy, Pelosi said Wednesday during a meeting with President Tsai. Americans' determination to preserve democracy here in Taiwan and around the world remains ironclad. She also dismissed China's tough comments about her visit as a possible excuse for their bluster. 
It's important that mem- to note that members of Congress, several of them had made trips just earlier this year, Pelosi said, in a video published by CNN. They made a big fuss because I'm speaker, I guess. I don't know if that's a reason or it's an excuse because they didn't say anything when the men came. Can we uh, re-release that story, CNN, or is that one on lockdown too? Right? Just like the COVID origin story of the three testimonies of the scientists, perhaps? Hmm. I wonder who's infiltrated CNN, perhaps, on China. We have to look into that. One of the men she referred to is Republican Senator Tommy Tuberville, who told Newsmax earlier, Newsmax earlier this week that he made a trip five, six months ago with three or four other senators, despite similar warnings from China. Taiwan needs us to come. We need to show our support, Tuberville said in the interview. China's not stupid enough to do something crazy. They talk a big game, but we need to stand up for American people. We need to stand up for our allies. We need to stand up for Taiwan. We need to show strength. During the visit, President Tsai presented Pelosi with Taiwan's highest civilian honor, the Order of the Proprietous Clouds. Oh, that's nice. I didn't know that. Speaker Pelosi is truly one of Taiwan's most devoted friends. So I said during the ceremony after Pelosi addressed Taiwan's parliament, we are truly grateful for making this visit to Taiwan to showcase the U.S. Congress staunch support for Taiwan. China is expected condemned her trip made five other House Democrat, she, which she made with five other House Democrat lawmakers, Republican representatives Gregory Meeks of New York, Mark Tanko of California, who also led a delegation to Taiwan last year, Susan Delbean of Washington, Raj Krishna Northy of Illinois, and Andy Kim of New Jersey. Those who pay, play with fire will perish by it, the Chinese foreign ministry said in a statement Tuesday. So, you know... Was it the gender that fired them up when men had gone there from the U.S. earlier this year? Possibly. What does Mitch McConnell think about it? He's married to a Taiwanese wife. Um, Daily Mail. Ronnie Reyes for Daily Mail Tuesday. Mitch McConnell sides with Pelosi in Senate speech and says she has every right to visit Taiwan. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell has supported Speaker Pelosi's trip to Taiwan and slammed President Biden for his team for his voicing their opposition. I believe she has every right to go, and it's been unseemly and counterproductive for President Biden and aides to have publicly sought to deter her from doing so, McConnell said on Tuesday. I don't know if that was, like, actively deterring. Let's calm down, Mitch. He was just passively saying, no, no, maybe not the best time. Go, go, go. But not right now. Please go. You know, it's one of those things. (laughs) While Biden administration did not explicitly urge Pelosi to call off a visit, see, exactly, Biden said it was not a good idea as his team seeks to reassure Beijing the trip would not signal any change to U.S. policy on Taiwan. Following her landing, McConnell praised her trip and warned of China's aggression against Taiwan and the need to protect democracy. So, you know, Nancy Wen is Biden's mouthpiece. Let's be clear. He didn't criticize her speech and say, I wouldn't have said that. He's fine with the messaging, which means it's his message delivered through her. Okay, Mitch, do we understand now? All right. Complain. Okay. To Yeah, complain that... Pelosi's travel is 
risky is utterly absurd. Yes. So I just think, you know, Mitch and his wife, the Taiwanese, well, I don't know her name, you know, should have a nice little family reunion in Taiwan. I think that would be a great idea next. And let's test out this, you know, gender theory. I think Mitch and his wife have a nice, you know, celebration public. Maybe he can bring some of his other Republican friends, maybe some Dems. And uh, we just all like celebrate how much we support Taiwan. <laughs> yeah. And then maybe a nice little, you know, cultural, cultural reveal and cultural uh, legacy tour of Mitch's wife's family would be nice. Yeah, I really admire the Taiwanese people now that I've gotten to know them through the media reports. Their language is so American, you know, give me liberty or give me death. Like they could be Patrick Henry. It's true. It's impressive, especially what they're up against. Like it really is. It's admirable. It's impressive. It's inspiring. Yeah, it just makes you feel wonderful when you hear the Taiwanese stand up for themselves. You're cheering inside. So definitely worth the, the trip. And I just want to point out all the people that were naysayers against it. Please, in the book, in the list. <laughs> right? Because they're either, what, working for the Communist Party indirectly, or just cowards and not helpful. Maybe not affiliated, but not helpful. In the book. I think the book. I think we have a book of names regarding China. I think that one would be worthwhile. Pelosi jabs at Z before leaving Taiwan. I didn't hear that. Let's see. Politico. Kelly Hooper. Whether it's, whether it's certain insecurities on the part of the president of China as to his own political situation that he's rated, rattling his saber, I don't know, Pelosi said. Well, he just got another, whatever, lifelong commission to be the head of the CCP. So politically, he's pretty situated. Um, she said during, that's mine, but she said during a press conference in Taipei in response to question about the belly. Coast response to her visit to Taiwan provoked from China and President Xi Jinping. What would matter to us is that we salute the successes of Taiwan. We work together for the security of Taiwan and we just take great lessons from the democracy in Taiwan. Pelosi's high anticipated trip to Taiwan, an unannounced but widely reported stop in her tour across Asia this week. I'm sorry, that's boring part. Let's get down. Is there any more things? The Chinese, okay, no, we don't care about their foreign ministries. They made a big fuss because, um, oh yeah, she already said that. She also waved off China's military action response to her visit, saying whatever China was going to do, they'll do in their own good time. What excuse they may use to do it is another thing, she said. Yeah. Our delegation came here to deliver an unequivocal message. America stands with Taiwan, she said. Yeah. So do we? Another article came out, and I wanted to delve because I didn't like the title of this. Senator... Foreign Relations Chairman Menendez pushes bill to update America's Taiwan policy. 
Oh, it's not going to have subtitles. Shoot. What? Okay, well, maybe there is a text version of that. Nope, there is not. I don't know. Well, whatever policy we have, the point is she went over there and, and made it clear that we stand with Taiwan. You can't get any less clear than she made it. Okay. So Pelosi's headed to South Korea. President won't meet her after a trip to Taiwan, but that is he's otherwise occupied. It has nothing to do with like a rebuff. Um, she's going to meet the South Korean counterpart, National Assembly Speaker Kim Jin-pyo, and other ruling party members on Thursday. Fine. Not available. It's okay. Yeah. Okay. So that was Nancy. Nancy's visit part part two okay um another great piece of news was nato today sweden and finland officially i believe have joined nato um GOP senators bashed Josh Hawley's opposition to adding Finland and Sweden to NATO. We beat China by standing with our allies. So, you know, again, by default, this Josh Hawley, you know, possible list for suspicious, you know, allegiance, whether it's used allegiance to Putin or to America. I look at China. Okay, I look at President Xi Jinping and I look at Putin as these like puppeteers, right? And they're marionettes with the marionette strings. And some of those strings affect our country, right? Tom Cotton's gone over this a, long t- a lot, really all of 2021. He, just need- he said all the right things. He just needed to say it in 2022, like right now. But only on China. I don't agree hardly at all with anything other than China. Um, so you see these two big characters that are you know have their strings in our country and are manipulating through the um, election system through you know infiltration through um, intelligence dealing all these things and so you know when we see like a random senator not advocating for our allies with Finland Sweden and to NATO one must suspect that that person could be perhaps one of those strings bought by Putin you don't know I'm not I'm not saying he is I'm saying this is the book that needs to be like Christopher Ray's little diary um Christopher Gray rather diary to like have it down to kind of investigate subtly and not aggressively but you know to watch because those strings do affect our country and if certain senators, certain congresspeople, certain political leaders are compromised, then they need to leave. They need to leave. They cannot be in office. 
And I mean, there may need to be uh, an act passed to ensure that. We've already been too compromised. Um, obviously, the FBI did a raid in Florida, St. Saint Petersburg, Florida, and found evidence to show that our elections were tampered with by Russia using the, that group. Um, and I forget the group, but it was on last episode. And, you know, it's not something that we need to tolerate anymore, I should just say. We don't need to tolerate anymore. We do need to call out the traitors and the people that are compromised. And, you know, everybody needs to know who they are. And it's not hard to find out who they are because you see their positions on Russia and China. It's This is not like super brainiac work. But I think, you know, I would just encourage the FBI, CIA, whatever jurisdiction to, yeah, get that working list there. Mitch McConnell says, good luck to senators looking for an excuse to oppose Finland, Sweden, NATO. Senator Minor Leader Mitch McConnell on Wednesday spoke in support of Finland and Sweden's bid to join NATO in advance of the Senate vote later in the day. Expected to have broad. By the way, I never doubted for a minute that the Scandinavians would do that. I've said that in the earlier podcast. Um... Zach Schoenfeld, the hill. Supposed to have broad but not unanimous support. Their accession will make NATO stronger and America more secure, McConnell said. If any senator is looking for a defensible excuse to vote no, I wish them good luck, he continued. (laughs) This is a slam dunk for national security that deserves unanimous bipartisan support. Well said. The two European countries' bids to join the military alliance are expected to have widespread bipartisan support in the Senate. <clears throat> Josh Hawley, Republican of Missouri, on Monday said he would vote against their accession, arguing in an opinion that U.S. should focus on more pressing threat from China rather than expanding. Oh, oh, really? So we can't walk and chew gum, Josh? Is that it? What a deflection. That's like an elementary school deflection. Wow. You're really throwing that out? We should focus more on China and not, okay, I think we should focus on how deep does Putin have his strings into you? We can do both, Josh. Oh my gosh. Can you believe he said that? Yeah, we want to support the allied countries against Putin. And we also want to, you know, support the democracies against China. Both, Josh. Not we don't have to pick one. Okay, so he's not qualified. Okay. Well, whoever opposed, I mean, just watch them, but they're they're in. It doesn't matter, so that's great. There's just no question admitting these robust democratic countries with the modern economies and capable interoperable militaries will only strengthen the most successful military alliance in human history, McConnell said. Yes. And also what happened, same intimidation tactics by Putin for Finland and Sweden about joining NATO. Well, they did a Nancy and they're like, and we're going. (laughs) Good. 
Okay. Senate approves the resolution supporting Finland and Sweden. Great. I don't know all the process, but that's a crucial step, apparently, in the quest for two countries to join the 30-member alliance. Well, you know, the Senate, I think, still is majority Republican, so thank you, Republicans, for this and your security for America in this issue. So, what do we want to pivot? There's so many things today. Let's talk about... Wait, unfortunate reality of 9-11 plotters... Ayman al-Zawahiri's death, that was al-Qaeda, that Biden issued the kill order for. According to the White House, al-Qaeda's figurehead 9-11 potter and successor to Osama bin Laden was killed in a spectacularly discreet U.S. drone strike. What is so... Okay, got to dig. Noah Rothman and MSNBC. Minimize collateral damage... No unnecessary casualties. First, the good news. The strike that neutralized Al-Zawiris de- demonstrates that America's so-called over-the-horizon counterterrorism capabilities in South Central Asia haven't been attenuated. At least, not entirely. That's reassuring because the loss of American Afghan bases on the ground intelligence necessary to take terrorist actors off the battlefield appeared to have been crippled, perhaps fatally, after the U.S. withdrawal. On August 26, terrorists believe affiliated with Islamist State Khorasan, or I- ISIS-K, network IQ- executed a complex suicide attack outside Kabul's airport. Okay. 13 Americans, two British nationals, and over 100 Afghans died in that strike. The response the U.S. sought to demonstrate its vaulted over the rising capabilities, but the demonstration was underwhelming. Officials later admitted that one of the strikes ended up being a tragic mistake, resulting in deaths of innocent aid worker who had worked with the U.S. There are mistakes. The assassination of Al-Qaeda's chief involved months of planning and operational intelligence. I'm skipping. While the justice brought down on Al-Zawari is welcome, it's unlikely to do much to disrupt global Islamic terrorist operations. The strike on Al-Zawari is evidence that Biden hasn't washed his hands of Afghanistan, the administration. Indeed, terrorist masterminds' presence in Kabul suggests it couldn't even if it wanted to. Al-Qaeda once again enjoys the support and power of a state, and one, one that now finds itself awash in U.S. military equipment. If those who warned that this organization will reconstitute itself with the aim of executing terrorist attacks inside the West are correct, the American mission in Afghanistan is far from over. 
it's far from over, but it's somewhat improved for our troops who are needed elsewhere. Complicated there. Wait, whoops, more, more, more. So then it goes down. So people are wondering if you can just target, you know, Ahmad al-Zawiris singularly not include any of his family, friends, or pets, then why can't Joe Biden take out, you know, the winning shot in Ukraine, meaning Putin? Think, I mean, that's what they're getting at. I don't think, okay, so they're basically saying, you know, why isn't he putting all his energy into supporting Ukraine and ending the war quicker? Um, Thus far, his only clearly stated objective is to weaken Russia. So a slow bleed out. I'm just still reading. There's a lot of football analogies, which I just don't, can't really vibe with there. I think it's a slow bleed out rather than a quick mercy kill. Honestly, that's what I think that he's doing. And I think his attention is rightly so on curbing China and preparing. And their escalated you know, rhetoric and threats to Nancy, I mean, does definitely commands attention. I don't know, you know, um, how much attention, but I think we just need to kind of clean house of our house and our government of our infiltrators. And we need to continue the work in divesting from all things China and investing in all things Taiwan. And, um, yeah, it, some... Some wars will be a little longer than others, but if it's moving the needle to greater world democracy, that is worth it. And I don't think he's sitting by idly regarding the Ukrainian people. Um, There's just a lot of, you know, autocrats trying to pounce at once. Was there anything else? Okay, I can delete that one. Okay. This was uh, Supreme Court delivers big decision deal for freedom. Steve Forbes. 
Overshadowed by the storm created by abortion ruling, Supreme Court's decision in West Virginia versus Environmental Protection Agency struck a stunning historic blow against unbridled and unaccountable bureaucratic power. The court decisively declared that the EPA has vastly exceeded its authority with regulations to force utilities to switch from fossil to renewables, most notably windmills and solar. The court was clear if unelected if an unelected agency is going to issue rules that will make a major impact on society it must have explicit authority from congress to do so it can't conjure up justifications based on twisted readings of laws in this case epa several years ago began putting arbitrary caps on greenhouse gas emissions with the ultimate goal of making it illegal to use oil gas or coal to generate electricity the trouble was there's no legal mandate to impose such sweeping changes in fact congress had repeatedly refused to pass such legislation frustrated extreme environmentalists it resorted to getting regulators to do what they hadn't been able to get done through democratic process. The EPA's overreach wasn't isolated. For decades, federal agencies have been taking on increasing power. Congress has gone along with the emasculation of its traditional powers. Because so doing has allowed lawmakers to duck accountability for unpopular decisions. In fact, many laws have been deliberately written with vague language to give bureaucrats maximum flexibility. This neutering of Congress goes back to the late 1800s with the rise of the idea that modern industrial society had made constitution obsolete and that government should be run by experts who wouldn't get bogged down by laborious legislative process. Woodrow Wilson, 28th president, was a prime proponent of this belief the Constitution with its checks on government power and outlived its usefulness. The notion was recently expressed by Anthony Fauci, who said that decisions made by health experts like him shouldn't be subject to judicial review. Mm. But our founders wisely understood such context a recipe for tyranny. Mm -hmm. All those who exercise power should be held accountable for their actions. Moreover, experts are not always right, including Dr. Fauci, who was in the weeks before March 2020 lockdown, was saying that people should be more concerned with seasonal flu than with an emerging coronavirus. Power hungry agencies aren't able aren't about to possibly accept this decision. The SEC, for example, still plans to formally issue a 500-page ruling this spring um, concerning listed companies and climate change. The high court will have to render a number of decisions in reinforcing what it did with West Virginia versus EPA. <clears throat> Hmm. I'm a little torn on that one. I mean, I understand that the EPA um, wants to protect, you know, like fight climate change to the best of our ability and that our clunky government at times makes that nearly impossible. So I empathize with the environmentalists. I do. At the same time, everything operates by the rule of law. And so, yeah, there does need to be congressional oversight over um, a non-elected, as they say, uh, agency like the EPA. Unless we can make the EPA elect uh, an elected agency, I guess. I don't know what's better. Do we want to make, can we make the EPA an elected committee by the people? If so, then no need for Congress to oversight, right? But if it's going to be one of these committees that's controlled, then yeah, Congress should have a you know, say in it. I don't know. It's a mess with the climate change. And <laughs> what's, the, what's the fastest way to reduce the greenhouse gases and still keep the democracy values we love? That's the thing. I don't know. 
Ron Paul says veteran toxic exposure bill puts our economy at risk. Doc Schoenfeld. That's uh, Senator Ryan Paul rallied against the economic impact of a veteran toxic exposure bill on the Senate floor shortly before Changer Chamber voted down his amendment to help offset the cost by reducing foreign aid. This bill puts our economy, though, through a risk at creating presumptions of service connection with the most common ailments. He said of $278 billion bill, which expand benefits for veterans who are suffering illnesses due to toxic exposures. He noted that substantial Americans who have conditions such as hypertension, asthma, which are both included in the bill, arguing expanded coverage will lead to taxpayer dollars being used to treat veterans with whose diagnoses are unrelated to their service. This bill would cost hundreds of billions of dollars at a time when the national debt is climbing over 30 trillion inflation is 40 year high. But I mean, you could say that for anything rant, but the federal debt was created by Congress, not our vets and those who serve the armed forces should not be the ones to pay for the government. Paul added. So, I mean, what are you saying, Paul Rand Paul? Are you going to say that you're for it or against it? It seems strange. I guess he's against it. I mean, I think veterans should get free. Don't they get free health for life at the VA? I don't know. I'm confused about this. Don't they get free health at the VA? They should. If they don't, they should. And if there's specific additional elements directly related to their job, they should have those paid for as well. So that's my view on that. So Fauci is getting um, investigated, I guess I could say. Washington Examiner Jerry Dunvalee, Fauci hiding truth on U.S. lab research, finding ahead of the pandemic, scientists say. Scientists insisted Wednesday Dr. Anthony Fauci is hiding the truth about the U.S. funding of research that could shed light on the origins of the COVID-19 pandemic during the first hearing of the matter. The first to formal hearing on the matter. So there's been news stories and breaking news and all of these other things that have revealed that, um, yeah, he was involved in hiding the fact that the U.S. was involved in gain-of-function research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Then it came out. Then everybody's still fine. We're all still here. Um. They've gone back and forth on origin stories of the COVID. I think most people at this point, regardless of the science, are going to make up their mind and already have made up their mind about the origin stories of the COVID. Everybody's clear on monkeypox and SARS back in 2013 and all of the other infectious diseases. But, you know, COVID just comes with it some really, really laundry list of sketchy stuff. And the long-term COVID and the endless health problems and on and on and on and on, vax after vax after vax. It just screams made in a lab. It just does. 
So, you know, I mean, you're going to have to choose your own adventure here on what you think. I can read these stories. You know, this was all brought up like a long time ago. So they're regurgitating this because of his hearings official. But that was the motivation for what? Trying to divert this. Well, then that and also the rise in global Asian violence of innocent Asians that was not just in our country, it was around the world. People's fear, misdirected anger, ignorance, and racism, and just wanting a little bit of power back and lashing out at the closest, nearest Asian, and that's not acceptable. I totally agree. That's not acceptable. Neither is it acceptable to then use as a recourse the changing of the origin story to bats, you know. I mean, three testimonies of those scientists, of which Rand Paul uh, talks about. So you see, it's not just me. See, somebody else also saw those stories. They were played for at least a few days in January 2020, and then they were yanked by CNN. (sighs) Okay. Um, At issue... During the Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Subcommittee on Emerging Threats hearing as a gain-of-function research which can enhance the severity or transmissibility of existing viruses that may infect humans. Mission accomplished. Gain-of-function research. Since the pandemic erupted globally in early 2020, many American suspicions have pointed to China. Fauci, the head of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease, has been adamant that the National Institute of Health did not fund gain-of-function research at a Chinese government lab. Well, he may say that, but plenty of other news stories back earlier said the opposite. I don't have those again, because this is before my podcast, so I can only move forward. But I, I remember it. I've been following it, and that's where I lost faith in Dr. Fauci. I didn't used to despise him. You know, I only despised him when he, he he broke the trust of the American people by hiding this so badly, thinking he was above it all. And then it all came out and then he just wanted to grandstand and proceed on. And it's like, no, <laughs> no. And by the way, that we have a lot of great other infectious disease specialists that can take your place. Why, why are you still here? And that's a question I love answered. Why are you still here? Why are you still ahead of anything? I think if you break trust or caused that level of doubt in people's minds, you should not retain your position head of allergy, infectious disease, National Institute or, or not. I think you're compromised, Dr. Fauci, and I would like you to step down. And I think a new face, for one, and one that's not compromisable if we can get that, or a team, Um you know, I'm going to be partial. UCSF would be great as a choice. Um, would be much more preferable. Okay. But Dr. Richard Ebright, lab director for Waxman Institute of Microbiology at Rutgers, told Senators Wednesday that Fauci was lying. The statements made on repeated occasions to the public, to the press, and to policymakers by Dr. Fauci has been untruthful. Ebert said, I do not understand why those statements are being made because they are demonstrably false. 
Ebright said late last year. Oh, that, so he would have been one from last year. So I remember it. I just didn't know who, the name. But Fauci lied to Congress, lied to the press, lied to the public. He told the Senate he stands by those remarks and explained in his written testimony why he believed EcoHealth Alliance, a longtime collaborator with the Chinese government lab, had indeed conducted a gain-of-function research while receiving U.S. taxpayer funding. To me, you know, I think that means our country is funding gain-of-function research. Now, it may not be his definition of that, specifically to a direct institutional expression, but you get my saying? Like, this is mincing words here. It's the intent and the impact and the secrecy of it all. Like, you think it's not going to come out. That's what I don't like. I don't even care, honestly, that we were funding gain-of-function research. I'm, so, I'm sure all countries are funding something of a, of a potential bioterror weapon or just potential scientific inquiry. I honestly don't take it either way. I don't really care. What I don't like is the lying and the deception and um, the pomposity that you think you can get away with it in this day and age. I don't like that. And then why he still seems to be glued in the job. I don't like that either. That really I don't like. And it seems like no matter who's president, he's like got his little position. And I don't like that. That to me is lack of integrity. You know, people should be able to be replaced if they just aren't showing integrity. EcoHealth was reprimanded by NHS, NIH's principal deputy director, Lawrence Tabak, in October. And Tabak found that the organization delayed revealing that a U.S.-funded experiment conducted with the Chinese lab in Wuhan determined that mice with implanted human cells became sicker with an engineered version of a bat coronavirus. Engineered. By a wet market? No. Engineered version of a bat coronavirus where? From a Chinese lab in Wuhan. Folks, reading it right here. NIH found more eco-health violations in January. That's not merely a financial violation. That's a serious hazard violation and a violation that may be connected to the origins of the current pandemic. You're right, said Wednesday. Yeah. And a concern just for the scientific community of lab safety protocols, you know. Um, you know, we have, to, we have to safeguard that of which we invent, Right? Okay, EcoHealth received grant funding from NIH and steered to the Wuhan lab for bat coronavirus research. Questions linger on whether that research could be tied to the virus that may have leaked from the lab. Well, three scientists who were dying and CNN broke the story gave testimony at the hospital bedside that they did, that it got out. If we can ever <laughs> bring those stories back, can you do it, Rand Paul? Please? <laughs> I don't have any more information than January 2020, CNN, someone named Chan. I know that's like the most generic name, could be Smith, but Chan, and it wasn't Anderson Cooper, and it might have been Jake Tappert, I'm not sure. I didn't really know them. The, it wasn't like it was Dom Lemon or someone identifiable that I would know right away. If that helps, you search. Okay. Gain-of-function research has the potential to unleash a global pandemic. That threatens the lives of millions. Yet this is the only first time the issue has been discussed in Congressional Committee. Senator Rand Paul, don't run out of time. Kentucky, who organized the Senate hearing, tweeted, I have to skim now. We have had the pandemic and we have not changed one bit of behavior. 
Fauci wrongly claimed in March in the February 2020 letter in Lancet did not dismiss the Wuhan lab leak hypothesis, despite the letter being signed by dozens of scientists clearly condemning the idea that it emerged from a Chinese government lab as a conspiracy theory. The letter praised China's response and said, we stand together strongly condemn conspiracy theories considering that COVID-19 does not have a natural origin. Suggesting that it does not have a natural origin. Sorry. Um, Ebert said the Wednesday that the Lancet certainly had the effect of slowing down investigations into the origins of COVID-19. The letter was only one of two efforts imposed a false narrative that science shows SARS-CoV-2 entered the human through natural spillover, and that is the consensus view of scientists. The Office of Director Intelligence released an assessment last summer stating U.S. intelligence agency with moderate confidence that COVID most likely emerged from a lab in Wuhan, while four U.S. spy agencies and the National Intelligence Council believed with low confidence that it uh, had a natural origin. Stephen Quay, CEO of Atrosa Therapeutics, argued that Senate that COVID-19 has three genomic regions that have a signature of synthetic biology that is gain-of-function research. I'm re- Kevin S. Felt, assistant professor at MIT Media Lab, said he would call what the Wuhan lab was doing gain-of-function research. I'm reasonably confident the pandemic virus identification represents a greater near-term threat to national security than anything else in life sciences, S. Felt told the Senate. Quay said gain-of-function research should be paused, while Ebright said the research should dramatically limit it. Esfelt said gain-of-function research generally should not be done because it's far more likely to kill people than save them. Writes, and if you can't secure it, then you got to pause it. Makes sense. Okay, I think that's just more of the video version of what we just did. And I mean, you can see how scientists on either side could be bought. Let's be clear, right? Politically pressured, you name it. But at the end of the day, we want lab security, right? And we can't have that if we're pretending it didn't happen in a lab. Then we can't emphasize the, the, the money, the funding, the protocols to en- enhance lab security. If people keep wanting to say it's the seafood market, a fish market, a you know, bat or something else, that skews lab security's important role in what? Restraining, restraining certain types of research due to safety. Now that may really bother some scientists that are just so excited about studying, you know, gain of function, but if its impact is such a dangerous potential and we don't have the confidence that we can honestly secure it, you know, they're going to have to find a different focus. That's just more important for the safety of the world, right? So that's where I'm coming from. I'm not against scientists and I'm not against inquiry. I'm only against it when the inquiry takes over the safety of the globe. Then, you know, find another topic. There's so much to study on, okay? Um, Let's see if I can play this. Maybe it'll have subtitles. Is it also not going to have subtitles? Come on. Oh, I can't have volume. Pause.
Do I have subtitles? No, it does not. Oh, what about the hearing impaired people? Okay. Well, yeah, probably more as Fauci continue gets investigated. And thank you, Republicans, for doing this. And Dems, you should do this too, because really all of our safety depends on this investigation and bringing it to light and getting the truth out there. Uh, X-File style, and then, you know, just really increasing our lab safety and, 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 and emphasizing what's best for the world. So we need to have a basis of truth for science. Otherwise, it just becomes political science. Thanks.